Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. We're very glad you're here. I extend a special welcome to those of you visiting with us this morning. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in everyone. So let us greet the divine in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here. Whoever you are, whomever you love, whatever body you live in, you are welcome here. Please say with me the words from the 1800s by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, and to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Our call to worship this morning comes from our beloved hymnal, number 500. Denise Levertov, if you would like to read along, she wrote it. Marvelous truth, confront us at every turn, in every guise. Iron ball, egg, dark horse, shadow, cloud of breath on the air. Dwell in our crowded hearts, our steaming bathrooms, kitchens full of things to be done, the ordinary streets. Thrust close your smile that we know you, terrible joy. Every time we gather, there are people in the room with roots and practices in every major world religion, with roots and practices also in secular humanism, staunch atheism, neo-paganism. What is at the center? What holds us together? One of the things that holds us and guides us as we move along in our lives is our mission statement, and we wrote it on the wall and we say it together every Sunday. We gather a community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Now is the time in our service when we breathe deeply together and enter into what Ralph Waldo Emerson called the wise silence. We need the silence because our world is so noisy. Our thoughts are noisy. We need the silence because we forget so easily that we are loved and held in the heart of compassion. Let us enter the silence understanding that in this congregation, the small noises of small children and the noises of life are part of the silence. So here we are at the season of holy days when most religions originating in the northern hemisphere celebrate the return of the light into the darkness. Hanukkah is the Jewish celebration of the light that burned in the temple longer than it would naturally have burned. Hinduism celebrates Diwali. The pagans are celebrating winter solstice. And Christianity celebrates the birth of the sun at the same time that the Roman Empire was celebrating the rebirth of the, of the sun with a U. 
And there are so many beautiful stories about the return of the light into the darkness to give us hope, to anchor us in times when we are confused, when we can't see what the next step is. And nobody knows about the historical truth of these stories, but the stories do not depend on historical truth because in faith systems, there are faith stories which have a truth that is a different kind of truth from the historical record. And those truths are about how human beings work, how the divine works, how the universe works, what kinds of things are to be pursued and what kinds of things are to be let go of. And if they don't exactly match the historical facts, the faithful compartmentalize that from their fact-seeking intellect. And it's okay, because it's a faith story. And there is sometimes an overlap with historical fact, but that overlap is unimportant to the faithful. Today, I'm speaking about our principle, which says we affirm and promote the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. I quake to speak about truth today. I have been overly casual in my thinking. I assume that truth is something that agrees with facts, something that most people agree on together, and that people feel truth is important in news and in conversation. I've spoken in years past confidently about something called the ring of truth, where you feel the truth of something inside your heart and you can trust that. I don't think I believe that anymore. I have said that most of us can recognize truth when we hear it. And I think I want to believe that's true for me, but I have lost my faith that it is true for everyone. And we say we affirm a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and you cannot have meaning without the truth. A pile of lies can have no meaning other than someone is willing to treat you contemptuously enough to blatherate a pile of lies that now sits steaming in the middle of your road. To be asked to find meaning in a pile of lies is cynical and abusive. We can have a free search for truth, but we've seen a shift. It used to be that we expected some spin in advertising, and we put laws into place, truth and advertising laws, to somewhat control the spin. And it used to be that we expected spin from politics, and we were used to politicians lying, but we were used to them being embarrassed when they were found out. <laughs> some years ago, I think 2012, when Paul Ryan shaved over an hour off of his marathon time, just casually telling people he got it in just under three hours, in fact, it was just over four hours, but the media chewed on that for two weeks. We shook our heads and went, <laughs> 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 
We've had experience of people with no shame before. We've had Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney. We know, we know that there are people who lie. But now there's a shift, it feels to me, inside. I don't trust that anymore. Um, there seems to be a shift to dealing with a politician who lies and acts as if you were stupid for ever believing him. There's a PPP poll that just came out, I think, Friday, that shows 60% of Trump voters believe millions of people voted illegally, even though there are no facts and evidence. Even though Republican voting officials strongly repudiate that, 60% of those folks do believe that. 67% of them believe that unemployment is up, even though since 2009 it's gone from 7.8 to 4.6. 40% of Trump voters believe that he won the popular vote. Daniel Patrick Moynihan famously said, everyone is entitled to his own opinion, but not everyone is entitled to his own facts. (laughs) We have loved that, and we've, um, we've... laughed knowingly um, that some people, a few people, (laughs) felt they were entitled to their own facts, but everybody knew that wasn't true. And you can say to the people who believe that millions of people voted illegally, facts show that millions of people did not vote illegally, and those citizens say that those facts are being reported by bias sources. The New York Times and the Washington Post They say Snopes is only accurate 50% of the time, and that factcheck.org says that Snopes is accurate 95% of the time, but factcheck.org is run by the Annenberg Foundation, which everyone knows is a bunch of bipartisan journalists who... (laughs) (laughs) These citizens are compartmentalizing... Their intellect, I'm, I don't think any of them are stupid. I think they have learned from their preachers to compartmentalize their intellect from their faith. And I think they are treating uh, Donald Trump as a faith leader. I have not read this anywhere. I could be wrong. It seems to me that this has all the earmarks of a religion in that they believe without caring about any overlap with fact. If there is overlap, sweet, but who cares? Everybody has seen the interview with the woman who shown that Trump had lied. She said, I believe what he said because he said it. If he says it, it's true. That is, non, that is a non-rational assertion. And you cannot argue with a non-rational assertion with reason. You cannot argue with that rationally. That is like talking to someone about their, their deeply held belief in the flying spaghetti monster who created the world. Epistemology is the study of how we know things. How do we know things are true? How can you ask, how do you know something's true? Oh my gosh, 
you get into this morass of uh, philosophical thought, which is really fun for some of us, but um, frustrating at times like these. <laughs> you can dig one level deeper when you're talking about how do we know what's true, and you go, how do we know anything? And you can discuss that different colors of light have a, a measurable wavelengths. And so you can say, this, this color has this wavelength, and this color has that wavelength, and that is data. But the wavelengths come into our eyes and are interpreted by our brain. So there's interpretation of data, and we don't know that we're interpreting it the same way. We all agree, trees are green. It's what I call green. It's what the trees are, but I don't know that you see the same color that I do. There's no way to know. Messes you up when you start thinking about it. <laughs> Now, science has a way of looking for facts, looking for truth, and they're pretty good at it. And their way is you, you try something, and if it has a result that can be repeated, then that's probably a true result. And if you have your peers, meaning other people who believe and understand the same things that you do, have the same education that you do, and... Um, agree to act as if certain beliefs are true and call them facts, that you all uh, agree on something, then you can call it a fact. That feels safe to me. That feels secure to me. Philosophy has its own way of talking about it. Um, some philosophers say you can't say that anything is true with a capital T, but only that there are certain assertions that we all agree to believe and we all agree to act on them as if they are true. So that's truth. And then there are the, the philosophers that say, well, what if you are just a Peruvian puppy dreaming that you're a human sitting in uh, this sanctuary right now? How can you prove that that's not true? <laughs> Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. That, was, that satisfied him. I think, therefore I am. And a philosopher who followed him was unwilling to posit the I. And so he just was willing to say, there is a thought. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said before, I don't have the patience for these beautiful, lacy discussions in a relaxed nature about the, the nature of truth. Because when you say millions of people voted illegally, that's either true or it's not. Whether we're Peruvian puppies or not, <laughs> that thing is true or it's not true. And the way that you tell whether it's true is that there's evidence. And the way that you tell that it's not true is not just that there's no evidence, but that millions of people agree that there's no evidence and nobody saw anybody do it and there's nobody who's claiming anybody's doing it except one person. And then, so it didn't happen. But it makes you crazy when you go, are you sure it didn't happen? There's a whole movie that's coming out. Um, I mean, it came out in the theaters already, but I have to wait till next Netflix. And it's called Denial. You all have seen it. Um, there's a Holocaust denier who an historian calls in her book, she calls him a Holocaust denier, and he sues her in England where the burden of proof is on the accused. So she has to prove that he's a Holocaust denier, so she has to prove that there was a Holocaust and he has 
facts that prove there wasn't. And it's history on trial. People can just say uh, loudly enough and often enough, that didn't happen. I didn't say that. It starts to shake the foundation that you stand on. Many of us have been feeling that, that shaking of the foundation. Many among us have been lied to terribly, loudly, aggressively, and abusively before, and they knew what this feeling felt like before. Many of us are just now starting to feel it. So I would have said in more innocent times that we all mostly agree that the New York Times aims to tell the truth, and when they are found not to be telling the truth, they hang their head and apologize and fire that reporter. And the Washington Post aims to tell the truth, and I think they still do. But we we have lies coming at us so fast and so loud, and there are sources which look like news sources that many of us are scrambling to catch up with because just in the last two years is when so many sites have become fake news sites and they don't really say that they're satire sites or they don't really, you know, you have to look hard to say, um, click this box if you want the actual facts to show up highlighted in yellow. (laughs) And the people who aren't sophisticated about that um, are constantly dealing with news that is shocking, alarming, and made up by people in Macedonia. So we're learning in our search for truth, in our free and responsible search for truth, to check the source. And if we know the source, and especially if there's more than one respectable source, then we can begin to believe. Number two, Check the date on the story. Is it from 2011? Is it from 1998? Check the date. Number three, does it sound too strange to be true? Could there really, I mean, in more innocent days, there was the weekly news of the world where you would read in the grocery store line that this lamp was possessed by the spirit of Elvis and it would sing Jailhouse Rock on Halloween night. Or this lady claimed that she was having Bigfoot's love child. But everybody knew that, I thought. Does it sound too strange to be true? Does it fit with the facts as you know them? They are getting so wicked that they are taking the best thing about someone and perverting it into the worst thing. And you have a woman who loves working for children. And you have a news story that says she loves being perverted with children. I shudder for the truth. You ask, why would people do the things that this story says they did? Again, the Weekly News of the World had a story that the Chinese government was ordering all of their people at a certain day and time. They were supposed to leave their factories and go outside. They were supposed to leave their schools and go outside at this certain time and wait for the order to come over the radio. Jump now! And billions of Chinese folks were supposed to jump up and down outside in order to knock the earth off of its orbit. (laughs) And I think... 
They have children and grandchildren. They have photographs on their bureau. They have life that they love, the taste of tea, the taste of rice, a ride on a bicycle. You wouldn't jump up and down to send the earth into ice or fire just because the radio said so. If you didn't want your world destroyed as well, why would they do that? Why would someone believe that billions of people would obey an order like that? Just ask yourself. So, um, Rabbi Jesus was brought before Pontius Pilate. And I'm telling you that what is truth is a very ancient question. When Rabbi Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate for judgment, Pilate said, So you are a king then? And Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to truth, to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? responded Pilate. Pontius Pilate, what is truth? People have been talking about this for a really long time, so we're not going to actually solve it today. You knew that. The Christian scriptures which talk about Rabbi Jesus as if he were a special part of the divine, call him the word. The word. The Greek in the New Testament translated as the word is the Greek word logos. Logos is a concept that has many meanings, layers of meanings, not just word. Logos means um, reason. It means structure. It means organizing principle. So scholars think that the, that the author of this, um, the book of John, where Jesus is called the word, was educated in the Greek manner, but born a Jew. Because in Jewish scripture, the word is also creative force. Um, the world wasn't born through a, a birth event um, in the Jewish originating stories. The world was created with words. And so when you call Rabbi Jesus the word, you're bringing the Greek reason and structure of things together with the Hebrew creative force. And you're talking about a tremendously powerful spirit of truth, which is what they also call Rabbi Jesus, the spirit of truth. And so at this time of year, we celebrate the birth of the spirit of truth. So when we talk about the truth in a spiritual context, the, the capital T truth, we're talking about something that has generative power. We're talking about when you, when you hear the truth and it changes you, it's not always fun. A lot of times it is funny but it changes you. And when people connect with each other in authenticity and truth, speaking the truth in, in a context of love, that is a holy transformational nourishing interaction. It creates. And so when someone lies, they are taking the best thing about words, which is creating a reality. 
and perverting it into a destruction instead of a creation. Destroying the relationship, destroying the ground underneath our feet. We lose our balance. And we struggle to understand and we struggle to believe and we struggle to to, uh, assign meaning. And yet, when the lies are so constant and so loud and so shameless, when you say, but when you quote someone back to themselves and they say, I didn't say that, you go, but here's the video. (laughs) And they say, oh, you took it out of context. And I want to talk to you just a little, and it's good that we have safe place here this morning, about the kind of setup that abusers often make. It's a similar dynamic where they almost begin to try to set your own reality for you. They go, here's how you're feeling. And you go, no, I'm not. And they go, yes, you are. And they go, I know what you think. And you go, how do you know what I think? I just know. And it's not what you think you think. They're overwriting your reality. They say, I never said that. And of course, if you get to the point in a relationship where you're wanting to record every conversation, you might as well just end it. An abuser sets up a situation where their reality is the only reality that's acceptable. And if you completely surrender to their reality, then you're okay. Then you're a good person. And if you don't surrender, they'll call you silly. Or they'll say you're dangerous or misguided or you're crazy. And you can't find your balance because the rules constantly change. And reality changes. And the one who's controlling it isn't you. Some people call that gaslighting from the old movie, Gaslight. When someone constantly overwrites your own reality to the point where you become doubting of your own self, like maybe I, maybe I do feel that, or maybe I do think that. Is the only way to respond to this leader to surrender to them completely? Is disagreement disloyalty? If you stay in the abusive situation, your reality gets overwritten so many times you begin to doubt yourself, which is why it is so important since if you're in a situation where you feel like there's an abuser trying to overwrite your reality, um, trying to confuse you so that you get kind of parallel, paralyzed, it's very important to touch base with other people. And you go, that was racist. And they go, yeah, it was. Because so many people are like, no, that's, the alt-right isn't racist. They just, uh, they're just cheeky. No, that was, that was racist. And somebody can say, no, it wasn't really loud. Doesn't make it true. You can say it really often. Doesn't make it true. It's important for us to talk to each other. 
And it's important to us at this season where the spirit of truth is being celebrated, that we bring the truth like the Magi did, bring the truth our gifts of attention, our gifts of responsible uh, evaluation of what we are told, our gift of acknowledging truth's importance. Because we have to keep the ground solid under our feet. The star of truth shines during the daytime, but it shines brightest in the dark. The dark is not a bad thing. We need the dark in order to grow our roots. But in the dark, it's hard to see where you're going. And it's easy to get confused and it's easy to get scared. The star of truth shines brightest in the night. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me round, turn me round, turn me round. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me round. I'm gonna keep on walking, keep on talking, marching to the freedom land. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.